Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Joe Vitale. We have another wonderful interview going on today for the Hypnotic Gold members only. Today, we're going to be talking about hypnotic language, and everybody here should be somewhat familiar with my work on hypnotic writing and hypnotic marketing and so forth. But I've gone to the expert here. I've gone to the mountaintop. I found the man who wrote the book called Hypnotic Language, Its Structure and Use. I found him. I got him to agree to be on this interview. His name is John Burton, and John has written Hypnotic Language and another book, which is equally wonderful, States of Equilibrium. And let me say a little bit about John here. He holds a doctorate in human development counseling, and a master's degree in clinical psychology. He's licensed as both a professional counselor and supervisor, as well as being a certified master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. He has over 15 years' experience as a psychotherapist and currently runs his own private practice, EduCare Counseling. Uh, He also teaches psychology on a part-time basis at a local college in, in addition to conducting personal growth workshops. And again, these, both of these books are wonderful. Hypnotic Language, It's Structure and Use, and the other one, States of Equilibrium, which is the newer book. So, John, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks, Thank Joe. you. Thanks for making time to do this. I know you're incredibly busy, and I've had to hound you to get you to agree to this and find that opening, that window, so that we can have this conversation. Glad to participate. Well, the people on the, the, this call, they're Hypnotic Gold members. Most of them, I hope, have read my work. So they are familiar with hypnotic writing, advanced hypnotic writing, maybe some basics of hypnosis. But I thought we might take them from the basics to the advanced level here as best we can. And I also wanted to issue a tiny little challenge for you, if you would agree to it. And that is, since I know you to be an expert on hypnotic language, and I've worked with you, I've been one of your clients, so I know how you work, I know how effective you are, and I know what kind of a storyteller you are, My challenge is, could you, along the way over the next hour or so, tell a few stories that help people understand how to use hypnotic language in their marketing? So I guess what I'm asking you to do is kind of slip it in under the radar. Sure. Can we do that? You bet. That'll be fun. All right. Well, let's let's start with a uh, definition. What is hypnosis? How do you define it to somebody who just calls you up? Well... I would say that hypnosis essentially is a narrowing of one's focus to a very fine point of a specific issue, topic, or collection of items of a similar theme. So it's a very heightened state of focus, really, Mm -hmm. and it excludes awareness of everything else. It's kind of like a pinpoint focus, and everything else is in the dark. When I describe hypnotic writing, I say it's a kind of, waking hypnosis where a person's eyes are open but their attention is focused on the words on the page which is co- which are causing them to have an internal experience would yes. that be accurate or would you refine that in any way i think that's very accurate i think that the uh, the idea is that it allows the person to take whatever stimulus you're presenting to them go inside with it and process it and apply it and try it on and experience it and so they really do have an internal experience with it, closing out everything else. Beautiful. Well, there's one statement at the beginning of your book, Hypnotic Language, which I really love, and I want to be sure to tell people how to get this later. Uh-huh. There's a line on page four in a black box, and it says, All communication invites the receiver into a hypnotic trance. Yeah. Now, that's pretty powerful because 
your book is more or less written for therapists and counselors and people in the helping professions. Uh-huh. And what we're trying to do is translate this and bring it over to the people in the marketing profession. Sure. So all communication invites the receiver into a hypnotic trance. Uh-huh. That has to be true for people that are writing a sales letter, a news release, a flyer, an email, an ad, a website. Yeah. Am I correct? Absolutely correct. In order for us to take in and process the written or spoken word, we have to go into at least a light trance in order to take it inside and make sense of it or make meaning of it. So even if we end up rejecting all of it or part of it or accepting all of it, we still have to go into a brief trance in order to try it on, so to speak, and make sense of it. Well, this is where we jump into the deep end, because I I can ask you so many different questions about this. Where do we begin? Where do we, maybe that's the thing to say. Where do we begin starting to use hypnotic language in our marketing? Sure. Um, I would even add to our, our little black box definition of all uh, communication advice the receiver into a trance. I would say that really all five senses can allow us to go into a trance. So it's not just the written word? No, it's not. It's all five senses. Uh, a person can go to an art gallery and notice how they don't even know where they're walking when they're there. They go walking off into other people because they're so lost in trance with the artwork. Or and so this concert. I can see the parallel then with websites because websites are far more, or at least becoming far more than just words on the computer screen. Yes. I, I think pretty much automatically and almost immediately when I go to a website, I go into trance. <laughs> ah. Well, <laughs> this is interesting. Now, is there a, uh, an example of a really good hypnotic website? Is there a website that uh, you've gone to that what you've just said, you've gone into a type of trance, which, of course, is a focusing of attention. Something come to mind that you really thought was hypnotic, a hypnotic website? Um, you know, there are a lot of them that are really, really good. And, and for me, I go there, and I go there with sort of a purpose. Usually I have some information I'm trying to find, mm-hmm. but I get there and I see all this wonderful collection of information and topics, and I just I go into a trance trying to sort of sort through them and experience them, try them on and decide which ones fit for me. So I end up uh, instantly into a trance. I find that to be very uh, useful, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I so, guess what I'm fishing for here is for how we can consciously create our websites and our sales letters and so forth that puts people into what I call a buying trance. Mm-hmm. And they may not be in a buying trance when they first get there, but I need to grab their attention and lead them to this buying trance. You know, the ancient formula in marketing is ADA, which is A-I-D-A, attention, interest, desire, and action. Uh You first have to get their attention. Now, this is very similar in hypnosis. You know, we have to, as hypnotists, we have to get the person's attention before we can give them any sort of deepening process or interest process to get them anywhere near the command process. Yes. So I'm trying to find this, uh, this parallel, this model that we can use in our marketing, using hypnotic language in our marketing. So, yeah, yeah what might be some ways that we would get attention on either a website or, and I'm wide open here, I keep saying website, it could be a sales letter, a news release, a flyer, really? email, yellow pages ad. I think one of the nice ways to do that, one of the effective ways to do that, is to leave, um, leave a gap so to speak. In other words, mm. if you tell somebody some information but you don't quite complete it, yeah. you can be sure that they will just fill it in. But they want to fill it in. So it creates a hunger. Yeah. 
And at that point, then you have the little spot where they can click on to get more information. Yeah. So if well, you create a hunger by leaving something out, oh. that desire for closure, as it's called, mm-hmm. fill in the blanks, will really naturally allow the person to take that invitation. Now, that's beautiful. Now, that ties into to the one I always say is curiosity. I'm yeah. playing the curiosity card. Now, I think you've said it better here by this whole idea of having them have a hunger. Mm-hmm. I teach people, for example, one of the simplest ways to create a headline for just about anything is to have a question, but not a question that could be answered with a yes or no, an open-ended question that could only be answered by going within the, the website. Yes. This creates this this vacuum in the mind, I guess, or this hunger in the mind Uh that they need to know. And it could be a question that is totally meaningless to their life, but it's it's the essence of a trivia question, basically. You know, one of the examples I give when I've been interviewed a few times, and I would say, what is Homer Simpson's middle name? And most people have no clue, and most people don't care until I ask the question. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they're interested, like, well, what is Homer? They know who Homer is, obviously. I'm not making up some name. Right. And they'll say, well, I don't know what it is. And suddenly they're intrigued, at least a little bit. Now, this, of course, is a very kindergarten-level example. But, but is this along the lines of what you're talking about? Absolutely. The principle is very true. If you create a gap, the person has a natural desire to close that gap. Even if at first it wasn't something they had on their mind, but as soon as there's sort of a discrepancy, mm. people like completion. Well, an example so, might be... If I began this conversation by saying something like, uh, what are the seven ways you can use hypnotic language to increase your sales and your marketing? Is that creating the hunger, do you think? Partially, but I think um, even something that might lead a person... um, People also naturally try stuff on. If you speak it or say it or describe it, they're going to apply it to themselves. Hmm. And you might even have a lead-in like, once there was a salesperson who was really struggling to find answers that would allow the sales to go much, much higher, bringing much more satisfaction. Mm. So the person who's in that same boat, which is most people are always wanting a little bit more effectiveness and a little more sales and somehow find that next level. And so you create sort of something that people can relate to that is unfinished and yet also they can relate to. And that sounds a little bit like the storytelling approach Mm-hmm. which is another one of the methods I advocate. And, of course, Milton Erickson, maybe the most famous modern-day uh, hypnotist, word magician of all time. Truly. Who you are very much the, um, you know, you've, you've occupied his throne, I think, since he's left. Well, kind of you to at least put me in the same sentence or next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think of you that way. Model. And you are a storyteller, and he was a storyteller, and that was one of the greatest ways to get get in under somebody's conscious radar. And what I mean by that is we live in this age of skepticism, and we're all wary of whether it's an advertisement or a news bulletin. We don't know who to believe anymore. Mm -hmm. And the, the story kind of opens up the mind a little bit to allow the message to begin to go in. Yeah, and I think if you use metaphors, it's another wonderful way Mm. so that you can use the metaphor to communicate certain basic needs that might be offered through a particular website or a particular product. Maybe it's about the person, everybody wants to feel like they're in control of their lives, you know? And so if you can have some metaphor where the person is sort of feeling out of control, but they take control, and if you want to take control, you might consider this product. Mm or that you even more subtly just kind of give little metaphors of 
a person without even mentioning the product, desiring for more control, being sort of maybe buffeted about at sea by some strong winds and they're in a sailboat. What do they do? How do they manage? What do they do with those sails? Which way do they turn them? Or do they take them down? Or how do they manage? And yet somehow they've now made it to uh, shore. Feeling quite triumphant and the emotional states they get to experience because that also is a big driver for people. Hmm. If you can help anchor it to emotional states, and there I am in the nautical theme, um, if you can anchor it to emotional states, then it also has a great deal of appeal. Are there more, there are some emotional states that are better than others for getting people to buy from us? I think control is one, safety is another biggie. Um, people operate from different levels if you kind of borrow the Maslow hierarchy. Uh, there's some parallel there. So safety, control, happiness, uh, mm. love, certainly, um, those sorts of basic needs that people have. Well, this raises an interesting question. How do some of the people who are selling a, I don't know, they're selling eggs over the Internet or they're selling a software program or uh, I did a story recently on a buffalo rancher that got a lot of uh, feedback. People just wanted buffalo after they read my article. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's a guy selling buffalo on, you know, bison meat on the Internet. How do any of these people tie that product, which does not seem to be directly connected to safety or happiness mm-hmm. or love, how would they make that connection so we're tying into this higher emotional state that ultimately triggers a buying impulse? Sure. I think there's the two ways that come to my mind. First, one is if it's the same product in, in essence, the eggs, for example, yeah. then there's two paths that might be helpful. One is the general thing is what makes this egg brand different than any other. Mm-hmm. One is, for example, if it's simplicity. If it's going to be delivered to your home, well, how simple is that? You just open mm-hmm. the front door and there's your eggs, for example. Mm-hmm. The other is how can you build stories with this particular egg that makes it so appealing you just got to have it mm. so that you imagine creating different omelets, different egg dishes, different uh, accompanying dishes with this egg, and then you can mix in that you had a party with uh, friends over for brunch and how great the camaraderie was. And so you've mixed in these other emotional states, started as an egg, and you've made a an omelet of safety, control, happiness, and love. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. In fact, what I noticed there, observing myself as you were talking, you used the word party. You were were talking about eggs and how they could be used. And, you know, one one is the ease. You open up the front door and it's been delivered to your front step. But also you gave the example of somebody throwing a party and they'd use the eggs. As soon as you said the word party, I laughed. Yeah. And I thought, wait a minute, what am I laughing for? There was no party. And there was, you know, I'm not having a party. You just used the word triggered a happy impulse within myself. Because yeah. I think of party as, as being uh, social, uh, engaging, happy, um, safe, usually. Yes. Um, so, and so I think that was a clever use, whether you did that intentionally or not there, John. It was a clever use of hypnotic language. I trust my unconscious mind to, <laughs> to know exactly what to say. Well, that's what Milton said. Milton Erickson said that a lot. He trusted his unconscious mind. Which raises another question. Should we, hmm, how do I phrase this? At what point do we begin to trust our unconscious mind to use hypnotic language in our marketing? I would say immediately and always. (laughs) Well, here's my reservation, because I'm going to arm wrestle with you for a second on that. My reservation would be, don't the people listening need to know the basics of hypnotic language consciously 
before they can allow their unconscious mind to just kind of bubble it out. I think there probably is some use in, you know, you could say, okay, well, I'm just training my conscious mind with this material about hypnotic language mind, and gee, does my unconscious mind already know this? Mm. Well, yes, to an extent, but I think you can train your conscious mind to assist your unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. We just want to make sure which is the driver in this, and the unconscious mind needs to be the driver. But it's also helpful to have the conscious mind uh, aware of the principles and processes so that it can just be that much more efficient and proficient. And I would say that's when people would need to get your book, Hypnotic Language. Yeah, it really does provide, particularly the first three chapters, provide the ingredients that allow hypnotic language to be effective and to um, create change. Yeah, your first three chapters, the, con- the conscious-unconscious mind split, cognitive factors in hypnotic language, gestalt perceptual principles in hypnotic language, um, those are the three you're referring to? Yes, those mm-hmm. three really describe in some detail with examples how uh, hypnotic language is structured so that these principles and concepts combine to make hypnotic language the vehicle that it is, that it goes straight to the unconscious mind and we resonate with it and then we are in a flexible position to make change. Well, let me ask you this, just staying on that theme for a second of trusting our unconscious mind to guide us with the hypnotic language. Mm -hmm. Would it be helpful, let's see, would it be helpful if people have an intention first? It seems to me that and I'm thinking out loud here. I know we haven't discussed any of this, so this is going to become a remarkably a remarkable conversation here. And there's hypnotic themes going on between us as yes. we're talking here. It's so fascinating. I already know I'm going to have to re-listen to this whole interview <laughs> just to see the different levels that I'm not picking up on consciously at this very moment. But one of the things I'm wondering is, do we need to know what our outcome is when we sit down to write a website or a sales letter, a news release, whatever, fill in the blank, and we want to trust our, our unconscious mind to provide the hypnotic language. Because it seems to me if I just sit down and just start typing, my unconscious mind com- might come up with a poem. Or it might come up with a recipe. It might, be, mm-hmm. it might come up with something totally unrelated. And to- yet it may, and, and then again, well, let me go back to originally. I think it's a very important and good point you make. And that is we do need to have intention, such as you've written about with your... Um, the attractor factor. Attractor factor. Yes. There, there is... It's, it's kind of like praying mm. in the sense that you have a general outcome. You don't get specific about how that's going to happen because then our conscious mind is so narrow and inflexible, it's going to have one track only. Mm-hmm. But if you have a, a, an intention that has a general outcome, and then I, I think of it as like in the old cartoons, I think it may have been the Jetsons, they have this uh, meal-preparing device, yeah. and they would push some buttons about what they wanted yeah. And it would all of a sudden, poof, there it was. Yeah. And they made a general menu selection, but it didn't get specific as to how it would be prepared. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the same thing that goes on with hypnotic language to me, is you, you say what you want without getting too specific and confining the unconscious mind's freedom. I see. And then it prepares it and gives it to you in a way that's so much more thought out than our conscious mind could possibly render. Well, this is getting even more fascinating. So are you suggesting that we don't need to outline something that we're about to write? If we're going to create a marketing piece, it's a website, for example. We don't need to really outline it. We might sit there to begin with with the idea of, okay, I want to write a website for my buffalo bison or my moccasins or my 
new software, my new book. And I wanted, of course, to put people into a buying trance so they ultimately start reading it, keep reading it, and push the buy button when they're done. Mm -hmm. And then they don't really think about it. Uh-huh. They start writing, or or what? What would you suggest? Be uh, I'm looking for the formula here. I guess. Yeah. What's the magic formula? Um, I think that that a lot of it has to do with um. Well, they had intent has to precede it, of course. And once you have intent and a want, then mm-hmm. it creates again that hunger, that drive, that motivation, and then we can allow that opening to happen, that really crucial opening to happen to the unconscious mind that allows it to flow in and flow out? I find that a lot of people don't trust their unconscious mind, that they are very closed or very uh, guarded or very what's the, controlling. Yeah, Controlling yeah, the word. Yep. And how do we get around that? Because I even know, as much as, as much as I've written, and I am largely unconsciously driven, I'm more of a stenographer than a creator of writing. I'm, it's coming through me, and my job is yes. to write it down and record it. Yes, yes. But too. there are times when I want to control it. It's like I want to go in this particular direction, and I want to write this, and I kind of wrestle the words to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, both processes are, are valid. I mean, both work. You can write an article with an outline and sweating over it and spilling blood, as some of the early writers would say. You know, writing mm-hmm. is just sitting at your typewriter and bleeding was a famous quote. Yeah. And then there's the, the joyful, heavenly, blissful approach where it's like, oh, I'd really like to write something wonderful, and I sit down, and it starts coming through. Yes. So how do we get to that trusting stage when we have been so controlled and controlling, and controlled came from our educational system yeah, where we were you know, graded so heavily growing up? Yep. Well, I use a metaphor, as I like to often. Um, when I was a kid, eight or nine, and maybe even up to ten, I, when I would want to pretend I was driving a car, because I was looking forward to the day when I'd be able to drive a car and have my own independence and freedom, and I'd get in my father's car and be off, and uh, there wasn't anything but just the car sitting there. I'd get in behind the wheel, and I would pretend I was driving, but in order to pretend I was driving, I would wildly swing the wheel back and forth. Mm. And then when I actually did get my first driving lesson, got behind the wheel for real, it's like, holy cow, I don't need to be doing that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was oversteering. <laughs> Very good. And so then later, after a while, you learn to kind of go by feel mm. and very subtly make minor adjustments just to kind of let the car stay where it's really going. Mm. You just make a few slight movements to keep it on the path you want it to be on. And so it goes from, from oversteering to letting it kind of flow. Yes. Oh, that was nice, John. Thank you. That was very nice. I'm smiling, thinking, oh, that was a nice little metaphor. I guess we should pause for a second. What is a metaphor? There may be some people who don't know what that definition is or have their own definition. What is yours? To me, it's, it's a, uh, any story that illustrates a principle and an outcome that you want to communicate to a person in an indirect manner. Mm. That you hope to include the dynamics that are parallel to the actual real-life example, Mm -hmm. and then illustrate them in another manner, but also communicate outcomes and concerns even. 
So how would an accountant create a metaphor to sell his or her services? Say it's a CPA who does the yearly taxes, quarterly taxes. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm making up something here just to be challenging. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're listening to the hypnotic language uh, recording we're doing right now, and they're thinking, okay, how can I create a metaphor? I'm just dealing with numbers. I'm just dealing with people who come in and they've got a box full of bills and their receipts, and they say, okay, Joe or Susie, fill it out. Mm-hmm. A couple things come to my mind. One is a juggler mm. as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And most of us try to juggle many, many things in our daily life and in particular in our business life. And we try to figure out how many things we can juggle before we start dropping them. And we can juggle more if we are selective about what we choose to juggle and hand off the other things that we don't really need to be juggling. Mm. We can juggle those things that we want people to see us handling. And we can give the other things to somebody else who focuses exclusively on these matters and is a specialist. Why would, she, why would we bother using our hands for something that is really not exactly directly related to what it is we want to make a living at? Oh, good. That, that appeal, I noticed, besides being a metaphor, you're also appealing to something deeper or higher, depending on how you look at this. Mm-hmm. And there was also, let's see, I'm hearing a little bit of time management, but more than time management, I think the happiness quotient, the happiness... A button is being used in that little metaphor you just gave huh? because it was suggesting that you would enjoy your juggling better if you got rid of some of the ones that were burning hot to your hands when they came back down. Yep, the pesky things, the heavy things, yeah. uh, um, very difficult to handle things mm-hmm. uh, that are just consuming. Well, then this raises an- another kind of devil's advocate question, and that is we're we're suggesting, I guess, if not outright saying, that this subtle around-the-corner approach is more effective than the direct right-between-the-eyes approach, meaning rather than saying an ad, um, if you don't want to do your taxes, hire me. Ooh, ooh, something else came to mind. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Go for it. (laughs) Regarding the accounting person, so we have the juggler as the metaphor, and the businessman or woman is the juggler, and then the uh, slogan is something like, we won't juggle your books. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. Enough playing. Okay, um, no, that, I like that. I like that. I like how it's uh, how I can observe how your mind's working too, and how you're trusting your unconscious to provide the hypnotic language and the metaphors. This all ties in. I see it so beautifully. So I'm back to my little devil's advocate question. Yes. You know, is one approach better than the other? Is the email or the website or the sales letter that says um, hire me to um, to do your taxes for you? I know how to do it right. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Well, the other approach saying, hey, if you're juggling too much, drop off your taxes with me, and you can just juggle the fun stuff. Yes. And, and yes, we'll be reliable and safe, and, and you can do the things that bring you deeper satisfaction. Um, I think, and I haven't seen any kind of statistics on this, but I think if right. you looked at the whole population, the, the, only a very small minority would respond positively to the direct, uh, compelling, mm-hmm. do this kind of command almost. Mm-hmm. And because it creates resistance, Hmm. people, again, like control and choice. And so if you use a metaphor, it allows them to use their own neurology, literally in their brain, to make connections and generate it themselves. And Hmm. it's theirs. And when it's theirs, they're more likely to use it. If it's yours, well, then they got to battle with resistance and control issues. Oh, interesting. 
And I guess this is similar to any stage hypnotist who just can't walk up to somebody and say, go into a trance. Yeah. But if he kind of sets the stage, so to speak, and there's some stories that have been told, and a good friend of mine who does a lot of stage hypnosis events up in Vegas is always showing, before his show starts, but in essence this is part of the show, he's always showing a film of past shows and people going in the trance and what they do and so forth. He's oh. basically priming their mind on what to expect, mm-hmm. and he's basically creating rapport with the people who are going to go ahead and agree. Yes, he is, in essence... Uh, in a very indirect way, asking people to raise their hand for who is susceptible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who's willing. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm trying to find all the parallels from that world of hypnotic language, hypnotic uh, showmanship, if you will, and translate it to marketing. And I love what we're coming up with. Now, are there some other tried-and-true hypnotic language approaches that we can use in our copy and our ads and our sales letters? Metaphor is wonderful. Uh, tying into these emotional buttons that are of a higher level, like happiness and love and finding how our product, whatever it is, Uh ties to that is brilliant. Um, Are there some other favorites of yours? Well, I think sometimes using contrasts, Mm. like, again, you can use metaphors or you can simply do it directly, but contrast between um, some other service or product or not using this particular desired service or product and what happens, and even appealing to it as this is, in some indirect way, conveying that this is sort of childish thinking. Ah. To not use this or to use the competitors because it just doesn't work as well, etc. Whereas with ours, we take the higher road and it creates a more um, secure, well-rooted, more uh, sophisticated, multi-level solution. Mm. So that in some ways you can do parallels and show what happens if you don't versus what you do. So let's create an example on the spot here. And I know, again, I'm, I hope you don't mind playing here no, because we haven't talked about any of this in advance. Okay, cell phones. Mm-hmm. There are, I have no idea, but I'll say there's 100 different potential models that are doing virtually the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm thinking of the ones that will also, uh, they're called smartphones. You can make phone calls, receive phone calls, but send email, receive email, do web browsing, uh, do video on some of these, do um, audio on some of these, certainly do camera phones on a lot of these. So we've got 100 different phones that are basically doing the whole, almost the same thing. How do we create what you just described, this whole contrast principle in hypnotic language to make one of them stand out? Um, hmm. What pops to my mind first is um, one cell phone that may not have quite as many features Mm -hmm. being used by a child who gets frustrated Mm. and then have an adult Mm -hmm. using the other cell phone that has the other features Mm -hmm. successfully and effectively connecting and communicating. I like that. And I got to publicly admit that what I just gave you as a challenge is very difficult because if somebody came to me and said, okay, Joe, you're a marketing guy and a copywriter. There's a hundred different cell phones. Tell me how you'd make one of them stand out. It's like, I would first of all need to know a lot more information about all those cell phones. Yeah. So that's a very difficult question. And I really admire how you just took that on and, and came out with a triumphant uh, example. So that makes sense. The whole child version versus the adult version, and just illustrating it in a very simple way. In fact, I had an image come to mind as you described it. So, so you shed the frustration and, and do it like an adult does. Yeah. 
And again, this was tying into one of the, we want it easy. Isn't that one of the other emotional things? Yeah, we want the straightest line, the shortest path, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And whatever's going to be uh, the simplest. Mm-hmm. The people first and, and just naturally try the simplest thing. Do you use hypnotic language all the time? I mean, when you're talking to your wife or your kids or <laughs> your neighbors or the mailman, are you using hypnotic language? No, there's kind of a, a switch or a place. I guess I really, I go to my unconscious mind. Mm. And so I kind of consciously choose to go to my unconscious mind uh-huh. uh, to do hypnotic language. So generally, once I'm out of the office, uh, I'm, I'm just in my conscious mind, uh, Homer Simpson-like. <laughs> <laughs> now there's an image for you. <laughs> John Burton as Homer Simpson driving home. <laughs> and you're going to Moe's afterwards, I can see it Oh, now. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, okay, well, thank you for telling me that. I know you use hypnotic language in all your, your consulting, your counseling, all of that, yeah, and, yeah. of course, in your interviews like now and in your books, which, I, of course, I highly recommend, Hypnotic Language and States of Equilibrium. And where are the best ways to get those books? I might as well be sure I cover that. Sure. Now, um... States of Equilibrium, you can get straight from me, mm-hmm. uh, and um, my email you can even use if you like. Sure, go ahead. C-O-U-N-S-L-N-G-J at bellsouth.net. Now, I think you can come up with a more hypnotic email. You know, they gave, Bell South gave that to me, and bless them, uh, <laughs> they didn't ask. Um, the other thing I will say about um, all joking aside in terms of me being Homer Simpson on the way home. Um, truth be known, I'm always in tune with hypnotic language patterns and metaphors, whether I'm walking, driving, watching TV. I get a lot of my ideas from just life experiences. Uh, a simple example is uh, I was watching the Weather Channel, and they, they said something about a few clouds from time to time. Mm. So I wonder what's in between. <laughs> Time to time. Well, the weather is the most ambiguous thing. A few clouds from time to time. Well, of course there'll be a few clouds from time to time from here to eternity. Yes. That's I mean, that doesn't mean anything. There. Yeah, they went out on a limb there. And so, you know, what's in between yeah. time to time? Beautiful. And it just, I look for gaps. I look for principles and metaphors. Even if I don't know where I'm going to use them till the occasion goes here. So this is a, your version of a swipe file. We in marketing, uh, especially copywriters, know to collect other people's work that we really admire it. I know people who have their own Joe Vitale swipe file because mm-hmm. they watch the emails that go out, my sales letters and so forth. And when they see something really good, they hold on to it. And in your case, you're holding on to it in your brain. Yeah, I'm always on the lookout for interesting metaphors and uh, little hypnotic language uh, phrases. So you're going to need to give your email address again because I want to make sure I got it here too in case okay. anybody asks. Can you spell it again and slowly? C O U N S L N G J at bellsouth.net. All right. Now let me repeat it. Sure. Uh, it looks like it's a misspelled version of counseling. With See what a it does at the closure need? <laughs> so it's C O U N S. L N G J at Bell B E L L South S O U T H dot net. That is it. All right, and that's how they get the book State of Equilibrium. equilibrium. Now the hypnotic language one they can do through a couple of ways. They can do Amazon dot com. Oh, good old Amazon. Yes, sir. Or they can do um, Crown House. 
Public crownhouse.com. Uh, let's see, crownhouse. I see the back of the book says crownhouse.co.uk. Yeah, they are in Wales, so it's crownhouse.co.uk. All right, www.crownhouse.co.uk. That's Crown House Publishing, crownhouse.co.uk. That's where you get hypnotic language, it's structure and use. Do you have any audios or videos or anything yet? Coming out with an audio um, oh. on CD of hypnotic language. It uh, should be out in September. I want one. Yes, thank you. I um, definitely want a set of those. And it will have more than just this hypnotic language book because uh, I've been obviously doing a lot of work in the years since that one and I have another book on hypnotic language with a little more advanced patterns actually coming out next year through Crown House, but in the meantime, I'll be doing the uh, Hypnotic Language on CD coming out in September, so I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see it. Congratulations on that. I will be at the uh, Hypnosis Convention in a couple weeks. Are you going to that? Oh, man. I had not planned on doing that. Where is that going to be this year? Uh, Meredith, New Hampshire. Uh, You can find out about it in case other people are interested about the uh, largest hypnosis uh, association. It's at ngh.net. www.ngh for National Guild of Hypnotists.net, N-E-T. And, John, you and I can talk about that after the call on, see if we can arrange to get together there or something. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Uh, But proceeding here, because we have a little bit more time here, and there's so much we can cover. We can talk for days or weeks or months or whatever about hypnotic language and just sit around telling each other stories. But uh, I keep looking for these. Uh, surefire methods for the people that are listening or going, I'm really hungry to know hypnotic marketing and hypnotic writing and hypnotic publicity. That's why they're hypnotic gold members. So what's another, well, I want to say simple. It could be even more complicated if you can explain it. What's another method for them to use hypnotic language in their selling? Let's see. Or another example of it being used, because those help teach us about it. You know, I think um, one has to do with what's called cognitive dissonance in, mm. in the book, and it's a term in psychology about a mismatch between beliefs and behavior, mm. or beliefs and emotional states. And a nice example in a commercial a while back was the computer geek who ended up with the supermodel. I think it was for a computer, but I'm not even sure what the product was, which tells you uh-huh. that it did some communication, but it didn't leave me knowing the product. Yeah, which is a big mistake. Like it, you yeah, want to be left with the product. Not a good sign. But right. I think if, if you tailor things like that, you can actually create some interesting opportunities to um, provide alternatives to the standard so that you create something that's kind of confusing. It doesn't match. The computer geek suddenly ends up bumping into this beautiful supermodel coming out of the laundromat, I think it was. And they looked at each other, and and suddenly they were smitten. And, you know, if you think the classic computer geek, well, how could he possibly end up with the supermodel? Well, there's cognitive dissonance. It doesn't match. So you can use things that don't match to invite people to break free of their own personal boxes. Mm. Because if you go with not the belief but the thing that seems out of the ordinary, it appeals to the desire for freedom, for control, for personal expansion as a being, and that is really powerful because everybody wants to break free. You keep coming back to these higher states. It's like you you don't want or you don't seem to be focusing on a direct sale of a product. 
you seem to be selling a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And I don't, am I am I correct in that assumption? Is that... I would say so. I think that's um, you can do it on a on a subtle level. You can do the simple and the kind of lower level needs. But I think if you can, in some way, subtly, in particular, appeal to the higher level needs, it it people resonate with that mm. because they want that more than they want the basics. Now, are the higher level needs what you talk about in the States of Equilibrium book? Yes, how to get to them, yeah. how to uh, experience them, how to utilize and live from there. Well, c- give me some more of the, the higher states, because we've named a, a few of them, and I don't even know what the number is, if there's seven of them or 37 you know, of them. Yeah, truly, I'm not quite sure how many there are. Hmm. Um, there's, there's a certain degree of uh, openness and freedom that come with them, and I think freedom is one of those. Yeah. Control is kind of like a doorway that opens itself to the opportunities to experience freedom, happiness, uh, love, peacefulness, those kinds of things, mm-hmm. serenity, calmness. But I think control has to happen first in order for us to experience those, because otherwise we're kind of at the mercy of the environment. Mm. But once we get control, then we can go into these higher states, and then they actually reinforce the control, in fact. So if you were selling a cigarette lighter, what might be a way that you would tie it to a higher state? Um. I, the first thing that comes to my mind, and I do a lot of trusting of the first impression or association yeah. I make, that is that you light this lighter and it's really windy, and everybody else around, their lighter blows out. Yours doesn't. Now, what? let's see, what, what, what is that appealing to? Because first of all, it's kind of a, appealing to the heroic and kind of an ego level because yours is still burning while everybody else is out. Mm-hmm. But is there something else I'm missing that it's appealing to? Well, I'm to? thinking in terms of, of, yes, it provides security, it provides stability, okay. it provides a sort of reliability, a light in the darkness kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, so I saw that image there, yeah. You want to go there and go into higher places. Um, it, it is the um, light that just won't go out. That's good. No, well, that's actually a pretty good headline. The light that just won't go out. Mm-hmm. And then you show the lighter. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Well, I, I like that. I admire that you're out. doing this on the spot. So that it's really unwavering. Mm-hmm. Because you see everybody else's blow out, and there's the other mm-hmm. one. Well, then this goes back to how do we, as the people in the Hypnotic Gold Membership Circle here, come up with these ideas? And, and I know, trust the unconscious. <laughs> but I can't help but think... That and again, I'm mind reading my audience here, but I can't help but think there's a few of them that are going to say, "I don't know how to trust my unconscious. I don't know how to turn it over. If I turn sure. it over, nothing comes up, right? I've got to write something." Or, mm-hmm. you know, the objections. Sure. And this is relevant because when we do any marketing, the only reason people aren't buying something is because they've got some kind of objection. Mm-hmm. So, how do we handle our own objections so that we trust our unconscious or make the sale? I think one of the ways is to practice connecting to the unconscious mind. Hmm. And one way to do that, I think, is to, for example, just using the lighter thing, uh, lighter product as the example, is you you identify the principle you want to convey to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just this is a good lighter, but what about it? What do you want to convey? This is reliable. This is what uh, traits or characteristics do you want them to know? Then you think about metaphors. What other things in this universe are that way? Or you think about, in, in very general terms, you kind of take your mind up to very general, because 
what we do in hypnotic language or in hypnosis is go from specific to general. Mm-hmm. And so then you reduce it to the most general principle. What other things are reliable, unwavering? I mean, you could go a little bit patriotic and do the American flag thing, but that's right. a little strong. Um, but essentially, you go to, to take the specifics, and then you go more and more general away from the specific product into general principles and dynamics. And how many things are there that you can identify that are consistent, reliable, uh, unwavering? And then also ones that you want to have convey a certain degree of strength. Mm. But you wouldn't want to have, like, grandmother as the symbol. <laughs> yeah. But you'd want to have something that's strong and reliable and, and something that. Uh, you can count on. So okay. You go from specific to general, and then you think of uh, metaphors that represent that. And you just do this um, free form on paper or laying mm-hmm. back in you a do chair? do free form on paper. Uh, I would recommend that as opposed to the computer hmm. because I think free form on paper is just that, free form. I think having to use your fingers to type on a keyboard puts us back too much in our conscious mind. We have to look at the screen and all that stuff. Uh. I would recommend paper and pencil. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so we need to have paper and pencil, and we're kind of doodling in a sense. We're allowing free association exactly. in a sense. Exactly. Um, but it does go back to having an intention to begin with on what your outcome is, mm-hmm. if I understand this correctly. Yes. And what your message is, there's something that you want to get across about your lighter or your accounting service or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And then it's a matter of, if I'm following you correctly, kind of, free associating to see what images come up, whether it's the unwavering light or the um, anything that shows up next. Sure. Absolutely. And, and you can even do more general practice without even having a product. For example, just take a particular shade of green, mm. have it in front of you so that you see it, and then just let your mind associate with that. What things in this world does that remind you of? Ah. And just take every, anything from green apples to green grass. To, Absolutely. Yeah, particularly And then green. try and get even more vague and more removed. What is bigger than just green but has that green in it? Oh, I think the Jetsons had a green spaceship. Mm-hmm. Or a spaceship with a green line around it. There you go. See, you've got me going into a hypnotic trance. Yes, there you are. So. I, and all I'm thinking now is I must buy John Burton's books, <laughs> Hypnotic Language and States of Equilibrium. <laughs> So that you can kind of train your mind to go into uh, abstract, uh, free form Hmm. by just training it to make loose associations, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go in for the kill here. Mm -hmm. How can we leap light years ahead and become masters of hypnotic language? How can we become little Milton Erickson's of hypnotic language in the next five minutes? Okay. Um, read everything he ever wrote. Um, <laughs> is there one thing in particular that's better than another? Because there are everything he's written, from letters to essays to speeches to transcripts to his own books. God knows, yes. It's just it's just a, a wellspring. Um, I think there's probably two things in general, and then we'll get a little more specific. One is trust your unconscious. It always knows. Okay. Second is trust the other person's unconscious. It always knows, too. Interesting. And the other is to um, think globally, act locally. <laughs> think mm-hmm. generally, act specifically. Mm-hmm. So that you um, don't get bogged down in, in details first. Mm-hmm. You do deductive instead of inductive. 
so that you start with general uh, principles, general states of emotion or states of mind that you want the person to experience as a result mm. of this product, and then you bring them down into finite detail with that product to show how they are connected. There is so much rich, richness and depth to hypnotic language that I know just talking for this brief time isn't really enough. That's why we have to read your books. And is there one in particular? I did ask about Milton Erickson, but I thought I'd press again to see if there's one by or about him that you thought was particularly great. Um, to kind of give people a starting point. Because, of course, they, they can read all of his stuff and shop around online and so forth. I would... Um, golly, golly, golly. Um, there's a two-volume set of, about him, mm-hmm. papers uh, by Milton Erickson, or papers of Milton Erickson. Okay. It's good. An even shorter one is simply a teaching seminar with Milton Erickson. Ah, okay. That was one of the first books I read about him. It was, it was edited by Jeffrey Zieg. And um, it was just, I was awestruck. Really? It was just like, holy cow. I, I thought, well, I can't do this. And then I realized <laughs> there are certain general principles that are present that we can each do in our unique way, which allows us then to be able to do this. Oh, now that was good. Because here's why I think what you just said was so brilliant. There are people listening right now who are just thinking to themselves, I can't do what John Burton does. Just like when you first look at that teaching tale book, you said, I can't do what Milton Erickson does. But you found that you could do some of his things and that you could adapt them to your own particular way of getting them done. Yes. And you made your own version of Milton Erickson, if you will, not to dismiss you or him. I'm just saying that your uniqueness is you with that spice of him in you. Globally, act locally. Uh, take the general principles and, and uh, express them in your unique way. Beautiful. So Beautiful. you identify those general principles, and then you go, oh, I see. Do you, do you do any Internet marketing? Do you do any email campaigns, or do you have a website yet? Or? I'm, I'm going to have – I'm in the process of having a website. It's going to be my business name, educarecounseling.com. Educarecounseling.com will yeah. be where it's at? Yeah, E-D-U-C-A-R-E, counseling. Okay. Com. It should be up eh, probably in September, actually. Okay. A lot of well, things good. going on in September. <laughs> good. Um, but I think that, that each person has their own way of, of effectively utilizing hypnotic language, and I also am totally convinced it's a natural skill in each person hmm. because we all have an unconscious mind. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody without one. There is uh, an old story I use uh, when I start my workshops out, and it's, it's based on a uh, Chinese woodcarver from oh, millenniums ago. And they asked him how he did such wonderful works. And everybody was just in awe of all his works. And he said, well, it's a four-day process. He goes out in the woods, and the first day, he just picks a tree and sits there with it. And in the process of sitting there with it, he does away with all what he thinks will be reactions and opinions by people he has no, never met. Mm. and what the reactions and opinions will be to his newest work. And he sheds all that and cleanses that out of him. Then he sits there on the second day, and he cleanses out all the reactions he anticipates from those who know him pretty well and may be over-gratuitous and not really give genuine reactions. Cleanses that out. Third day, he cleanses out the reactions from those who he knows and loves the most so that that won't influence. The fourth day, he lets the tree talk to him and tell him what to carve. Fascinating. 
I'm letting that sink in. Well, he becomes strictly and purely open to it. Yes, I hear it. Yeah. yeah an open vehicle. Yeah. Well, let me ask you one final question. Okay. What question do you wish I had asked you? Mm. Hmm. Wowie. That's a great question. <laughs> I'll tell you, nothing pops to mind. I think we covered a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I think we were pretty thorough, given the amount of time and the amount of depth of the material. I don't have anything that I wish you'd asked, really. Okay. Well, I want to encourage people to get the book, Hypnotic Language, It's Structure and Use, by John Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N. Uh, that you can get from Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon and from um, Crownhouse. Crownhouse.com. CO.UK. For most of us, Amazon will be the easier way, but crownhouse.co.uk. The other newer book, which is fascinating, States of Equilibrium. You get that directly from John, and you can also reach him by email for that book or any other reasons to, to say hi. The email again is C-O-U-N-S-L-N-G-Y-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J-J